0: Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch? The show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And this week, we are going to be recapping week seven of the NFL, which saw a bunch of one-win teams win a game, and a couple of good teams lose very badly. And so the NFL, as always, is just chaos. We're going to also preview week eight, and then the second half of the episode David and I have to talk about this movie because it's the most important movie that has been released since Oppenheimer and Barbie. That's Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, the three and a half hour epic that may be the best movie I've seen this year, question mark? I don't know. Mm. We'll get all into all of that and more I on see. this episode of What Do You Want to Watch? So stick around. Do it. He won't. Hopefully you have stuck around despite David challenging you and saying that you wouldn't. Um, Anyway, David, let's get into it. NFL Week 7. First thing I want to talk about is the Chiefs, in a surprising turn of events based on their normal games against the Chargers, decided to just absolutely eviscerate that team in the second half. Um, Defense locked Herbert down. The Chiefs won 31-17. Um, I'd say there were a couple of times where I felt a little sketchy about how we were playing, especially in the first half. Um, but what did you take away from this Chiefs game, this Chiefs win?
1: Uh, the defense is legit. Uh, I know we've been kind of saying that, and um, you know we're seven games in now, but um, I feel like this was like the first like elite offense we've played. Is that I don't know if that's too too far to say. Let's see, Broncos weren't that Bears. Uh, weren't that Jags were struggling at the time that we played them. Um, mm-hmm. Lions are fine. I think the Chargers though have a pretty elite offense. They have skilled players. They got Pro Bowlers on their team. Herbert I think is a very good quarterback, and I don't think it, he's the problem. Uh, and yeah, you know they <clears throat> held the Chargers to a field goal in the first quarter. Chargers would get two touchdowns uh, in the second, but uh, nothing in the fourth, and nothing in the second half. Excuse me. Uh, and she's remained to be the only team in the league that has held every opponent to under 20 uh points this year. Uh, no other defense has done that. So yeah, um that might even be not even the answer that you thought I was going to to go with, not, you know, the offense uh, in, the way that it played, but for me the defense uh looked really good uh against a very good offense. Um what do you what do you think of the offense? We'll, we'll just we'll talk about the other side of the ball now. What, what is your thoughts on the offense?
0: Well, I mean, you got to be happy about twenty one points in the second quarter. Um, I think that the first quarter felt exactly the same way. My brother and I watched this game together, um, and it felt the same way. We were talking about this that it felt all year. This team gets down the field and then just can't finish drives. And that first field goal, I was really annoyed. I was just really pissed that we did not complete that drive. It was a stupid penalty is the reason that we didn't a block in the back call off of a screen and that
1: scored that scored a touchdown. That yeah. Too.
0: The screen scored a touchdown, the block in the back call brought it all the way back. And then we just couldn't finish the drive. And that's kind of been the story of the chief season. Yeah. Our defense is holding teams to 20 or less, but that's because our, our offense is not scoring that much. I mean, we have not had a really great scoring output aside from the bears game until this week. Um, one, I sh- just, what are the chargers doing? Like, I know i definitely scheme, is why Travis Kelsey is open. It's got to be partially that, but there is no reason he should be that wide open. I mean, he had what, Every 12 like time. 12 catches or 12 catches 179 yards in the game. And I think he had like nine for 120 in the first half, something like that. Um there was a streak of, I believe, 29 straight passes attempted between Travis to Travis Kelsey from Patrick Mahomes that were completions. Um, which they said on the broadcast was like a 1 in 3,000 chance of happening or something like that. An NFL like record, right? Yeah, these two were in rhythm. Um, they have now have 50 touchdowns as a duo, which is good for fourth most um, all-time between a quarterback and a tight end. Um, keep in mind that Travis played with a different quarterback for the first half of his career, and so it's only been in the second half that he's played with Pat. I um I don't know. I just, this t- team looked to be firing on all cylinders. There were a couple of deep passes that I thought were pretty promising from Pat. I was a little worried about how we were going to look down the field without Justin Watson. I'd still like us to look a little bit better in that area, if I'm being honest. We need a little bit more separation. I really like Rasheed Rice. Maybe oh it's goodness, just the fact man. that he caught that one ball and then absolutely ran over a defensive back for the Chargers. I just love when... Wide receivers do that, and I think that getting McCall in this offense and getting him back even in the punt return game is going to be really big. I just, I think that's a really valuable pickup for us because McColl knows the scheme. McColl knows what Andy expects, and he also gives us a burst on, in special teams. He got a 50-yard punt return that set up a touchdown that was the touchdown that really put the game out of reach in the fourth quarter, and that was all off of that McColl-Hardman punt return. Like He knows what's going on. Obviously, he wasn't super involved in the offense this week. I think he'll get more involved as we continue to go. I I like the way that we're looking. I'd still like Andy to lessen the cuteness a little bit. We have still a little bit of cuteness going on with some play-calling decisions, especially in short – yardage situations but the fact that pat is converting like third and 11 plus at like a 70 percent clip or something like that is ridiculous i mean yeah. eight, every time he needs 11 yards he's either travis kelsey's wide open he's finding a receiver or he scrambles he's so good at using his legs as well so i'm feeling good about this offense i think there's definitely room for it to improve but i am def- i'm not near as upset with the performance or i'm not upset with the performance and i was against the broncos
1: yeah, I, I need to formally apologize to McCall Hardman. Uh when they we first signed him, I was kind of upset and that he was just taking someone else's roster spot. Uh and I was wrong. Um I think that yeah, the punt return was huge. Uh got it down to the 30, 35 yard line uh late in the game, and not only was that a momentum, you know, adding to the momentum on the Chiefs side, but yeah, it set up a, a kind of a game ceiling touchdown. Also, he had one catch for six yards. But it was like third It was like third and four on that same drive maybe uh, to score that touchdown and put it away. It was kind of a um, in response to a zero blitz and uh, McColl was running across the field and Mahomes kind of threw it up to him. Um, and he made a big catch on third down to keep the sticks, you know, keep the drive going and they would eventually score. So, yeah, he had one catch, but it was actually one of the bigger catches of the game by mm-hmm. our receiver because, you know, they were able to score a touchdown and go up um, – <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Go up two touchdowns there with what I believe, yeah, yeah, three, three and a half minutes left in the game, and right. you know, once and they scored it? that, we all were like, it's over. Honestly, like it's only a two score game here, but this is like the biggest blowout I've I've felt against the Chargers because it's always just so back and forth and so close. And despite it only being a two score game and not really that you know bad of a blowout, it felt like one. I don't know if you felt that too, just because. We never play the Chargers this well. I think even in the second half. No, they're as soon as always we kicked off. I was never concerned that entire second half. I, I was never worried because we just kept getting stops, and they were driving down the field and stuff. So yeah,
0: yeah. I there we always seem to play those games close. We play division games close anyway. But I think the Chargers. We definitely. I was expecting it to come down to the wire again. I was still confident in us, um, and. I, I it's just it was just nice to see this offensive output quite honestly four touchdowns to four different um receivers Mahomes threw for 424 yards you know he did have one pick that was kind of an arm punt he got hit while he was throwing a deep ball and it ended up being underthrown to McColl and so then it it got picked off I mean, I wasn't happy with it, obviously, but as far as interceptions go, I, it was pretty It was pretty mild. I, I think it was on third down as well. Third and 14
1: um, or something, yeah.
0: Yeah. And on the flip side, I'm not a Chargers fan, clearly. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like to have to watch Brandon Staley coach every week. I think that's got to be infuriating. Or their defensive coordinator. Like, I don't, again, the fact that Travis was able to do what he's done. Make somebody else beat you. Like, I double him. I don't, I don't know what they're doing on that. And then I think we can now start to blame Justin Herbert a little bit. Can we do that? Because I think Justin Herbert maybe gets a pass because we think Brandon Staley is so bad and that defense doesn't play well. Justin Herbert turns the ball over in important situations. He just, he does. One of them was a tip pass at the line that was picked. His interception in the fourth quarter was terrible. It was such a wide-open interception, the DB almost dropped it because he was shocked the ball was hitting him in the hands.
1: Oh, that's and right. And Justin yeah. Herbert
0: does this all the time. He is bad in clutch situations. And it's something that they play a lot of close games, and they lose a lot of close games. And I saw this stat Um, and you know, the chargers have normally been, been heralded as like the most unlucky franchise in the league, right? There, there was one year where they had the number one offense and the number one defense in the league and lost because they had the worst special teams unit. And they were just unlucky with muff punts, missed field goals, things like that Mm. by metrics, like fumble recoveries, things like that, that are now tracked as luck stats. The chargers are the luckiest team in the league in terms of like dropped interceptions, um, fumbles that are recovered, things of that nature. They're the luckiest team in the league, and they're still losing. And they're normally, now this game was 14 points, but they're normally losing one score games. That comes down to coaching, which everybody knows they have a bad coach. I don't know how Brandon Staley still has a job. But it also comes down to the quarterback, who does not put them in a position to win. Are you trusting Justin Herbert on a late-game drive?
1: My, high, my gut reaction is yes, but also hearing this data might... You know, convince me. I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm
0: trusting Justin Herbert in the first three quarters, absolutely. In the fourth quarter, I don't. I'm not. I I don't know where he would rank among AFC quarterbacks, but I don't even know if he would be in the top five. I would trust Mahomes, obviously, Burrow, Lamar, maybe even Trevor Lawrence. You know, before I'm trusting Herbert. Yeah, Herbert just got a massive extension. This is something he's got to work on because this happens all the time in their close games and they lose close games a lot
1: being uh being devil's advocate um, what what do you how do you respond to like everything the chargers do well is tied to Justin Herbert so you know because if you take him out of the equation um, those things they don't necessarily do well i feel like but um everything that the chargers excel in you know, go down the list, it's all tied to Justin Herbert. So what is your response to maybe someone who says that?
0: Well, so, I mean, my response is one, yes, I get that. I think that I'll, I think that coaching does have a lot to play in it. So Justin Herbert's not completely to blame. Um, but he's got to figure out how to not force this. And that does start with coaching. But Justin Herbert has thrown 14 career interceptions in the fourth quarter during one score games. That's six more than any quarterback in the NFL since he entered the league in 2020. So it's, it's not even close. Yeah. He is by far the leader in late game interceptions. You could say that that is partially play calling, but at the end of the day, it's decision-making and Justin forces throws at the end of games that he just doesn't have.
1: Hmm. I I didn't notice that with that first pick. It was like there was a he was the his receiver was sandwiched, double covered. Cook on the uh, you know, backside, and then I don't know McDuffie maybe on the underneath side. Um, and I was just like, that's a really interesting decision to make there. Um, and you know, it was picked off and stuff. So and they
0: they do produce. Hmm. They absolutely. Put up numbers. I mean, Keenan Allen is kind of having quietly the best year of any wide receiver outside of Tyreek oh, Hill.
1: He's so like, good.
0: He's he's incredibly good. Now he didn't do a whole lot this game. I mean, he he really didn't. Four catches,
1: 55 um, yards, yeah.
0: For a Keen for Keenan Allen, that's a pretty bad game. But I like I think Justin Herbert might just be Phillip Rivers.
1: Okay, dude, I saw a stat. It might have been on the like actual like CBS network. I don't even know if it was this week, or if it was last week. Kind of a you know, how many however many games Herbert's played, you know, first fourteen or twenty four games, however many starts he's had, compared to Philip Rivers equivalent starts, dude, the stats were eerily similar. Wins, completion percentage, touchdown to pick ratio, stuff like that. And I was like, why is this so similar? Then you wouldn't think it would be. When you think of Justin Herbert and Philip Rivers, you're like, Well, no, that's I mean no, Justin Herbert's clearly better, uh, and it's it's kind of eerie how similar those stats are. Whether that's a product of the coaching or the system or if it's, it is the quarterback, um, it is just something to note. Like that's just kind of weird, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I have that in front of me, unfortunately. But
0: I'm gonna compare. Let me see if I can do this really quick here. Uh, I yeah, and I think that Phil oh, Rivers was. It. A great QB. Okay, let me. Yeah, tell me what. What do you got?
1: Okay, so this is a little different. Uh, This was on first things first um, with Kevin Wilds, Broussard, Chris Broussard, and Nick Wright. Uh, It was compared Herbert's first fifty four games and Philip Rivers' last fifty four games. Record, they're both twenty seven and twenty seven. Philip his last fifty four games averaged two hundred seventy six point six yards per game. Herbert in his first averages. Uh, two hundred fifty-eight, two hundred fifty-five point six. So eight yards more, nine yards more. Uh, Philip in his last fifty-four games through ninety-six touchdowns. Herbert in his first fifty-four through one hundred and three touchdowns. Passer rating ninety-four and a half for Phillips' last fifty-four games and Herbert's first fifty-four games ninety-six point seven passer rating. Very similar. And uh, you know, was Philip even in his prime his last fifty-four games? So that's just I think the records the biggest thing for me. You know they're both twenty seven and twenty seven. Who? Yeah,
0: At, and again, Philip Rivers is borderline Hall of Fame to Hall of oh, Fame yeah, quarterback yeah, for sure. But I think that maybe we have expected Justin Herbert to just keep getting better because he kind of exploded onto the scene. I mean, he started he started that first game against the Chiefs because of the Tyrod Taylor, um, hold crazy doctor situation that we forget about whenever Tyra Taylor just got like stabbed in the lung with a needle and by the Chargers doctor and then couldn't play. Um, and Herbert played and he looked, he looked great. He looked great in that game and he's looked pretty good since then, but I don't think he's gotten better. I don't think in the three years that Justin Herbert's been playing quarterback in the NFL, he's gotten better. And that maybe that's our fault for putting the expectations too high on Justin Herbert. But if you look at it, the way that he's performing, even like compared to his rookie year and stuff, he's not really improving that much. He's he's kind of just yeah. staying stagnant.
1: Did you read off the fourth quarter interception stat since twenty twenty? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the there's also another one: most fourth quarter interceptions in one score games. Uh, he's five more than the next closest. Yeah. Ahead of Tyler Taylor Heineke. Yeah. That's wild. Hmm. And Nathan, I it, hadn't even thought about this. I just assumed, like, oh, it can't be Justin, you know. Um,
0: I think it. Ha- I think it has to be.
1: Now, do you think the poor coaching and maybe play calling has put him in absolutely an unfortunate situation? Absolutely. of throwing those picks or something, you know?
0: Absolutely, I think. I don't think that it's. I think it would be ridiculous to actually completely blame Justin Herbert for all of this, because. It's- Obviously, coaching has a factor, but I mean, he career 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 picks his rookie year, 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, 15 picks. So yeah, he threw seven more touchdowns, but he also threw five more picks. And then last year, 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, 10 picks this year. He's at currently at 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns, four picks. Uh, completion percentages, 66.6 is first year, 66 is second year, 68.2 last year, 67. You know, he's yards per attempt is around the same, like he's not exploding upward. And I I just don't know if he's getting any better than he was as a rookie. I think he might just be the same quarterback. He was when he's a rookie, he seems to have the same deficiencies he had when he was a rookie Mm -hmm. and it can't argue that it's because the talent around him is getting worse. It, he has the same amount, the same amount of talent. So, 100%, I think he needs a better coach. And maybe if he had a Sean McBay, if he had a Kyle Shanahan, if he had an Andy Reid, if he had one of those guys, he would be playing better than he is right now. But I think that the system, you have to blame both. You can't just say it's coaching because Herbert is also making the mistakes. At the end of the day, he's the one throwing the ball.
1: Yeah. Like when there's success, we always think, well, I mean, like, every great quarterback had a great coach like you well, want you can't do it by yourself so i feel like yeah maybe the likewise the opposite of like it's never just one person's fault it's yeah both it, are to blame in the system
0: i think that he is helped out by the fact that brandon staley is so like universally reviled for his decision making that then we kind of give herbert a little bit of a pass when we shouldn't mm. so yeah anyway that's enough Even negativity more. about the chargers team that quite frankly, won't make the playoffs. So who gives a darn Uh, teams that are looking like they're going to make the playoffs though. Some, some surprises here, the Steelers and Jags both only have two losses. Jags are five and two Steelers are four and two Steelers are four and two despite having one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. Um, The Browns, and it doesn't even seem to matter if the Browns have their starting quarterback because miles Garrett is so good. You don't need him. And the Seahawks are still looking good. David, of those four teams I just listed, one, which are you most surprised is having the success they're having so far? And two, which one do you think will make it the farthest in terms of postseason success?
1: Honestly, the one I think I'm surprised the most by, I think really is the Browns. Um, I think even preseason... We knew, like, okay, the Steelers have one of the best defenses. If I think I even said this. If Kenny Pickett's like a 6 out of 10, like, that'll be enough for them to win some games with the coaching staff that they have, the culture they've built, the defense they have. Um, So I know that we've seen them struggle, but I don't think we would have been surprised to hear that they're 4-2. and But the Browns being 4-2 and I think surprises me. Also just in the way, like you mentioned, the way that they're winning games. Um, P.J. Walker, um, you know, He's winning uh, as a starter. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, rookie quarterback from UCLA, he's getting snaps. Like it just doesn't seem uh, to matter. And Nick Chubb, the star running back, probably top three running back in the league, um, being out, and this team is still winning. The defense is very good. Miles um, Garrett can just hurdle now, apparently. Uh, and I mean, it's not like it's just like these awful. You know defensive battles like they just put up 39 points, um, and yeah, they're four and two. Um, they beat the Niners last week. They beat the Titans 27 to three. They beat the Bengals, albeit they were struggling. But yeah, I don't know. I I just don't think I was expecting. If you'd have told me Deshaun would be in and out with injuries and Nick Chubb would be out and this team was four and two, I think I'd have been shocked. Um, because yeah. with with those guys, I'd been like, oh, I could see it. Like Deshaun. You know, still has a potential to to shine. Nick Chubb obviously shines with this defense. But, yeah, man, you told me But both those guys would be in and out. I just don't think I would have predicted them to be 4-2 at this point. So, I think the AFC North is, you know, shaping up to be the best division in football. um, Because, you know, Steelers, another team. Ravens will get two. All those ties have two losses. And then, Mm -hmm. of all teams, the Bengals are the ones in last place. Mm -hmm. And they could win the division still. You know, so... Yeah. What about you for those four? what What's surprising you the most? I think that uh,
0: I think on paper, I think it's the Browns as well, um, especially with the injuries and stuff that they've had. Their defense is for real, though, and I think that does help them. I would like to see them kind of beat. I mean, they beat the Bengals, but the Bengals were playing terribly when they beat them. I, they sh- should have lost that Colts game, quite frankly. Um, they didn't because of a pretty garbage pass interference call um, where that ball was nowhere near catchable and it still got called as pass interference. And it gave them another opportunity to score at the one yard line, which is like so ridiculously overpowered in terms of just game changing. Um, I Honestly though, I think it's the Steelers just because I know they have a great roster, but like their offense is terrible. Their offense has one yeah. good drive a game. Maybe it's so bad and the fact that they're still able to pull off these wins and pull off wins against teams like Baltimore, um, I think is very, very impressive. In terms of ones that will make it the farthest, I think it's the Jags, And that's just quarterback mm-hmm. is king in the NFL of the teams that we've listed. They have the best quarterback. And so they also play in the worst division. I think there are. Nah. Well, yeah, I, I do. I it's, do pretty think division's it's pretty shaky. still it's, bad. It's still bad. Um, the AFC West might be competing, though, because outside of the Chiefs, who are you afraid of in the AFC West?
1: Hey, I'm not upset with that.
0: So, yeah, that's um, not a problem.
1: But For me, <clears throat> I know quarterback is king. I think Seahawks might get the farthest. Um,
0: NFC is weaker.
1: That's, you know, and the AFC is just beating each other up. Um, and I think, I mean, it's just going to be stacked. I mean, you look at the playoffs potentially, and it's like, my goodness, there's not an easy – like team to get through. And so, yeah, I think, I think the Seahawks, this the Seahawks defense is legit. The rookie they drafted last year. And then Witherspoon, the guy they picked up this year, both these rookie cornerbacks are very good. Really, really good. And then Jamal Adams is on that defense Mm -hmm. and Seahawks. People forget they have one of the best still skill groups in the, in the league right now. I mean, DK Tyler Lockett, and then JSN Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio state like those are three solid guys and then you got Kenneth Walker in the backfield so you know and quarterback is king and if Kenneth and not Kenneth if Geno can play a clean game like i think Seahawks can beat anybody but can Geno play a clean game i think is the question um so you know we'll see come january if if he's going to write back or not but you know I don't oh. know. We'll see.
0: Nice, nice call back there. Yeah, I think Gino is playing better than I expected. I still think that he's got a ceiling though, and I think this happened yeah. last year. So I'm still like to see him do it in the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, I just want to read something to you. Um, so you remember how the Deshaun Watson's getting over 200 million dollars in guaranteed money mm-hmm. um, from the Browns. Um, so I'm going to just read you his quarterback stats since he's been a Browns quarterback. Now, obviously he was coming off a suspension last year, and then he's been injured a couple of times. So Deshaun Watson's only played and started in 10 games in those 10 games. He is 165 for 277, which is good for, uh, 59.6% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So in 10 games, he's averaging just over one touchdown a game and just under one interception a game. And he's been sacked 32 times. He sucks.
1: That's not good.
0: He sucks. I'm glad he sucks. This is a person I'm praying on his downfall. Um, and they don't even seem interested in putting him back in. He was cleared, medically cleared on Sunday to go back in the game. And he didn't. He just had his helmet on on the sidelines, was smiling and laughing it up. He doesn't seem to care if he plays. The Browns seem to not want him to play. I I know that Browns fans have to kind of be feeling good just because, just because they get to watch Miles Garrett every week, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Miles Garrett's so good. But imagine spending that much on your quarterback who's a dud and a terrible person. You know, like Broncos fans hate Russell Wilson, but at least Russell Wilson doesn't have the off the field stuff that Deshaun Watson has. You know. Mm-hmm. Like At he's a back he's quarterback a that they're overpaying for, but like he's not Deshaun Watson. And if they want to get out of this contract, I think next year if they want to cut him, it's a fifty-one million dollar cap hit.
1: Yeah, five years, two hundred thirty million, fully guaranteed. And this is the second year of this contract, or is this the first year?
0: This is the second year.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, we're all for players getting paid, but this is a shining example of why teams don't want to do fully guaranteed contracts, I think. Well,
0: and this is just not the person you get like. No, that's true. They gave a fully guaranteed contract to a person with off the field issues that hadn't played organized football in 18 months. Yeah. And he's not, he's just not good anymore. He's not. We've seen enough. 10 games is enough of a sample size. He's not. He's bad. It's it's just it's kind of wild, but yeah. All right, David. Let's talk about the primetime games real quickly before we make our picks. Miami, Philly. Um, I think I said it. I think you've also said it. Miami does what they need to do against bad teams, but we still have yet to see them prove themselves against a good team. And you could. You could turn that around on me as a Chiefs fan and say, well, the only good team the Chiefs have played beat them in the Detroit Lions. And I would say that's fair. I would also say our quarterback and head coach and best players all just come off a Super Bowl win. So we're kind of maybe absolved a little bit from the fraud moniker that could be bestowed upon the Dolphins. I'm just looking... The Dolphins didn't look great. Um, Jalen Hurts had some just baffling turnovers again. six seems he's got like more turnovers this year already than he had all of last year. Mm-hmm. Um So there's that, but they, the dolphins still did not look good against this team and this, and the schlacking they got from the bills, which didn't even mention the bills. The bills got beat by the Patriots who were the worst team in the league aside from the Panthers. Um And so I don't even know if the bills are good. And the fact that the dolphins kind of got boat raced, by the bills i just, they're gonna they're gonna win 11 games i just don't know if i can take them seriously you know
1: yeah i of course i picked them to win this last week too i remember i was like i just talked about this you know the struggles with the dolphins and here i am picking them to win i hey con coward said it best the dolphins are a heavyweight with a glass chin and uh i said that last week and they got hit in the chin this week and uh, there's just really once. I mean, let's see. Eagles got up 17 to three with three minutes left in the second. And I don't know how you felt, but I was kind of like, it's over. Like, yeah, there was, there Eagles was up no, two possessions yeah. They're They're in their sweet spot. Yep. And um, yeah, Eagles didn't look great by any means. And they still kind of won handily. I know in the third dolphins tied it with the pick six, but then, Eagles drive right back down four minute drive, 75 yards score. And then they score again in the fourth. So Eagles are a good team. And, but again, the two solid teams, the Dolphins have played now, they got kind of handled. So that's just really interesting. And, and yeah, with the bills, I mean, you, you could take that a step further and they're a bad miss call away from being three and four right now with back-to-back losses to the giants and the pats, which is even crazier to think about. And, um, yeah, yeah, the Sean Mc-
0: the, the teams that they've lost to are not good teams. We should no. we should say Jets,
1: that. Jets, Jags, Patriots now.
0: I mean, the, the Jags are the best team that they've lost to, but yeah, losing to the Jets and they couldn't score and they couldn't score against the Pats today. They can't score. It's not it's not their defense. You could you can say that it, their defense is a problem, but they couldn't score against the Pats.
1: Yeah, I mean, last week through three quarters, they didn't score a single point. And this week through three quarters, they had a field goal in the second and they did score a touchdown in the third. And it's just like, man, these slow starts, if you're about to lose to the Patriots and Giants, like imagine a slow start to a team that's slightly better. You know what I mean? It
0: does just fill you with a little bit of joy whenever you look and see the Bills lose though, right?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, a little bit. They're a division rival. Anytime the Bengals are bills lose it's like it, yeah you know you get a yeah. little smile You yeah, when the I dolphins like lose i'm not there yet i'm like oh you know i yeah. they don't bother me but you know yeah. we'll play them in germany and tyreek will talk a little bit and i'm sure that'll grow a little grow the, a little rivalry you know so
0: yeah and that's fine um but that's the that's the dolphins last test this year i mean they don't they don't are not going to play a good team they're gonna they have like two difficult games they have the chiefs game and then um They're gonna play the Bills Christmas Eve, I think, and that's like it. That's like their every other game they're gonna win.
1: It does so it's we play them in two weeks, and then they have a wild schedule of Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets. But then they do finish with Cowboys, Ravens, Bills, which that will be a tough three week stretch. But man, before that, those five games in a row of just
0: yeah, they're gonna finish, they're gonna tier. have eleven wins, and I yeah. think everybody's gonna be like, eh, have they beaten anybody? And they're gonna be right. So, I don't well, know. Do I, they win
1: that division with eleven wins? I think they might.
0: Yeah, the way that the Bills are looking, yes. Because Patriots
1: can't compete. Yet. Yeah, it's between the Bills and the Dolphins at this point. Because if they
0: can beat the, if they can beat the Jets twice, the Patriots again, then it doesn't even matter what happens in that game. They'll have a better division record than the Bills.
1: Well, there you go. And the Bills. So, Got to play the Bengals, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, yeah. Chargers, Dolphins. The Whew. Bills
0: have the curse of being the number one team in their division last year, so they have to play all the other division winners. So There you go. That's That makes it tough. Um, yeah. And Monday Night Football. Brock Purdy went from, is Brock Purdy an MVP candidate to Brock Purdy is losing the 49ers games. Uh, nice. That was bad. That was not yeah. good. It's not a good pick at the hey. end of the game.
1: Um, four weeks ago, I, it's roughly four weeks ago. Remember when you asked me if the Niners have a weakness on this team?
0: And you said the quarterback.
1: And I said the quarterback, I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was like, I I was like, I want to see him with a deficit against a good team in the fourth. And the two weeks now we've seen that and he's been struggling, you know, and I, I don't want to hear this. He was missing some players like dude, without Debo, they still have the Avengers on that team. Like they're still better than more than half of the league, even with Debo Samuel out of that game. Uh, they have so many guys to go to. And he didn't he didn't come up, you know? I now, you know, Vikings we've said this all year. Like the Vikings have good players. It's weird that they started this bad and the Vikings may turn out to be pretty good, but still, like they've scored seventeen points now in back to back games and it's kind of been a dud, you know? So mm-hmm really interesting i don't know i don't know what to make of it um you'll probably find out i'm not too concerned with my pick for this week but man it is something to note that like people thought these guys were on top of the world and unbeatable yeah. and now they're you know two two game losing streaks so
0: and i mean mccaffrey played well it brought threw through two picks in the fourth quarter that was the difference um kirk cousins was gifted a touchdown with jordan addison they threw to a 49ers um, defensive back that then Addison just ripped it out hey, of his hands. Is, primetime
1: time Kirk shined. That's all I. What know.
0: what is up with the Vikings and just just drafting amazing wide? Jordan Addison looks amazing. Like this is yeah. kind of annoying.
1: I actually really um, wanted him, but yeah, the me too. Chiefs, not me. Like the, chief, I, the Chiefs, I wanted literally. Yeah, me.
0: and everybody took a wide receiver right before us, and then we didn't get yep. to take one. Yeah, I mean drafted. I don't want to talk
1: about. Hey. It. Rashi was our receiver that we took, and that is looking like it's working out so far, pretty decent. I'd
0: still rather have say Flowers or Jordan Addison, but that's fine. Uh, that's that's fair. Um. Anyway, the San Fran doesn't look like world beaters, and Philly doesn't really look like world beaters either, and that means the Chiefs are considered the best team in the league right now. Uh, we'll probably lose a dumb game. Hopefully not to the Broncos, but I'm sure we'll lose a dumb one. And then people will be like, are the chiefs actually bad? And it'll cycle through. That's what happens in this NFL. The Niners are going to kill a good team and you know, whatever. But right now I would say, yeah, you were absolutely right about the quarterback being the weakness of the Niners. And that's something they definitely need to get figured out
1: because
0: yeah. <laughs> it's it's not a good look.
1: You mentioned chiefs are the best team uh, being that guy I think there's another team that people would maybe talk about potentially being the best team in the league right now after their solid performance.
0: Are we are we going to Okay,
1: let's talk about the Ravens. Let's let's do it. Let's talk about
0: the Ravens. Cuz it was um, a very
1: solid performance against a very good NFC team. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Absolutely. Um the Ravens are I don't know. I don't want to believe in the Ravens. You know why? Because the Ravens have lost to the Colts and the Steelers, and in both of those wow. games failed to score twenty points. So right up and
1: down, doesn't it seem?
0: Yes, and the Ravens are going to be that they have a good coach. Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback. I think the Lions just came out flat and then never recovered in that game. They just they looked terrible from the first snap. I mean, it was awful. Um, and I think that's probably good because I think maybe the Lions needed a little. Little bit of a wake up call. Um, and maybe everybody else needed a little bit of a reality check. because um, the Lions, after they beat the Bucks last week, or the Bucks are not good, everybody was like, The Lions, best team in the NFC, and they might, they, they're they probably still one of the top ones. I definitely wouldn't put them above Philly, though. Um, I don't know. It's tough for me to believe in the Ravens because I know Lamar will have one of these games, but again, the they lost to the Colts and they scored 19 points. Lamar Jackson didn't have a passing touchdown, you know? Yeah. And and I, I just, I don't know.
1: I do want to say, I think this version of the Ravens scares me more than any other team right now. If we see that version of the Ravens against the Lions, that's going to be very hard to stop because they were complete, they were sound, disciplined. Lamar, this year is looking better, I think, than he has um, since since his MVP year. So I, I maybe not like overall, but like if we see that version of the Ravens, I do think that's going to be that's going to be tough to beat if, if you're anybody. That's, yeah. that's kind of my, my takeaway from that.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think you are correct on that. But will um, we see them do that right. again? You know, right. I just don't I need them to do it twice, honestly, um, because I feel like the Ravens will do this where they'll put up an amazing performance. And you be like Lamar MVP, of course. And then like the next game, they'll score 17 points and Lamar will have two picks and you'd be like, okay, well, we're back yeah. down to planet earth again. Yeah. Um, so I, I I, don't, I would like to see it again. And also there's been a trend in the NFL this year where every week a team will like win really big and then get absolutely stomped the next week and lose a disappointing game the next week. It's happened to the Niners. It's happened to the Eagles. It's happened to the Dolphins. It could happen to the Ravens. It happened. Yeah. I mean, you could maybe say it didn't happen to the Lions, but the Lions were the darling of the league. And then bang, the Lions get absolutely trounced the next week. So mm-hmm. I, weirdly enough, I think this Cardinals game is kind of important. Um, but
1: so you don't think I, it'll I, be, you know, oh, it's a blowout. You think it might be a little closer than we think.
0: Yeah, especially um, is Kyler going to play? Because he's available. He's off the pup list.
1: I don't know. I I do know those Cardinals games have felt like been a lot closer than we thought they'd be. Um, of course, you think the Cowboys, and they kind of hang in there with the Niners. And
0: I think we're just seeing that Josh Dobbs is like just not good. Yeah, and so I'm just wondering because if Kyler Murray's going to play, I think that that actually that could actually affect that game. I think the Ravens mm-hmm. will still win. I don't know. I, it's just, it's hard for me to believe in a team that lost to the Steelers, the Steelers' inept offense. I know the Steelers' defense is good, but the Steelers' awful offense and then the Colts, and in both of those games, failed to score 20 points. So,
1: the uh, offensive coordinator for the Cardinals is encouraged by his progress and his focus in the practice room last week. That's so great. I, it sounds like maybe he can. It didn't really yeah. tell me if he can come back, but
0: I mean, I think I don't think Kyler Murray's great. I'm not saying that, but it's definitely an improvement from Josh Dobbs. So
1: yeah, we kind of got on that hype train, didn't we? He had like won pretty good game and against like the Niners or something, and then we're like, "Well, beat I mean, the, the Cowboys, Cowboys," and then he I mean, beat like, the Cowboys. It's like, all right, guys,
0: that's the way to get America to love you. Is you beat the Cowboys. Yeah. So
1: it's good stuff. Good week of football.
0: Yeah. All right, David. Let's pick. Let's pick some games for Week Eight. Uh, Week Seven. Neither one of us had a great week. You had a worse yeah, one than me. Yeah, I
1: had a I had a rough one.
0: You went one and three. I went two and two. Um, I got
1: the Bills wrong. I got the Dolphins wrong, and I got the Rams wrong. It's a rough, rough, rough week for me. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, it happens. You know, it's it's okay. Well, who's your favorite this week?
1: Oh, let me get to this. I um I mentioned San Fran, and I said like, oh, clear, I'm not concerned. 325 Bengals play in San Francisco. I'm picking the Niners. They've lost two in a row. Bengals, yes, look good coming off a bye week. Um, Niners are still a good team. They still have one of the best defenses in the league. They still have some really good skill guys around them. Kyle Shanahan's a very good coach, uh, and they're back in Santa Clara. I think they get it together, yes, against a good Bengals team, but I just don't see I don't see the Niners losing three games in a row. I just don't see that happening. Uh, they're 3-0 at home this year. And they're favored by five and a half, but um, yeah, uh, I I feel good picking the Niners to end their losing streak.
0: Yeah, uh, Is this a uh, kick I think you, maybe I don't know. I mean, if you're being a little honest with yourself, you're also just kind of hoping that the Bengals get punched in the mouth, and then you can be like, see, they actually weren't didn't rebound. They're still not great. Oh, that's fair. Um, so. I am going to go along the same lines and I'm going to take the Bills over the Bucks which is the Thursday night game this week. Um I the Bills lost they looked bad against the Patriots. I don't see them losing two in a row to two bad teams. Um I just I, Josh Allen's too good, I think. And so um and I think the Bucks are bad. I think that they're starting to get ex- exposed a little bit more. Yeah, Baker's fun. It's nice to to root for them, but they should have beat the Falcons and they didn't. The Falcons did not play well and they still won. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and take the, the bills to rebound here. Yeah. And it's at home. It's at home for Buffalo. too.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is this trend and I know it's kind of like a overused, maybe even analogy at this point, but man, Josh Allen really does tend to have roller coaster stat line. Like if he has a bad game last week, he's gonna have a great one this week. And, Literally for more than a year, sample size now we find that to kind of be true, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, although the last couple of weeks it's kind of been double low, which is yeah. I like this pick. Why all the more reason that he you know he might come out and throw five touchdown passes Thursday night. You know it's like oh the Bills are the best team in the league, and you know here we go again. So yep. yeah, that's a good pick.
0: Yep. All right, David. Uh, who's your upset pick this week,
1: bro? I got a sneaky good one, and I'm gonna send it. Give me the Steelers at home over the Jags. Ooh. Playing at Heinz Field, Jags are favored by two and a half. Uh, Steelers are riding a high. They're getting healthier and healthier. Deontay Johnson's back. And so Kenny actually has a number one and a number two receiver. And Deontay Johnson and Kenny and uh, George Pickens. There it is. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't believe I'm picking a Steelers to win this, but... Jags are kind of on a little bit of a winning streak, and it's hard to have that in the NFL, right? You know, they're they're due to lose one, so we'll pick the Steelers here.
0: Well, yeah, and I would also, just to help you, this is Mike Tomlin is an incredibly, his teams are incredibly good as a, when he's a home underdog. Hmm. Um, I believe they're actually just, they definitely cover the spread more often, but based on what I've seen, I think straight up, um, they went over 50% of the time when Mike Tomlin's a home underdog. The Steelers are just really perform well when they're underdogs. And so, no, this is
1: a 2021 stat. So, this is not up to date, but he is 41 and 23 against the spread as an underdog, which is yeah. wild. Yeah. And that's so, two years old, even.
0: So, he, yeah, he gets his guys motivated to get up for games like this. So, I think that's a pretty good pick. My upset, um,
1: and You're going to ride on the Patriots, is, aren't you? You're a big Pats fan now, huh? No,
0: I am not going to Mac ride Jones on the Patriots. Jones is back. You, you got to stop. He you didn't play st- kind of
1: good, though. <laughs> he had some good stats. I ain't going to lie.
0: Kind of good is is really just a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I'm sure. going to I'm gonna go um, something really stupid. No, never mind. I'm not going to do something that stupid. I'm going to go Titans over Falcons. Uh, for some reason, the Titans are underdogs in this game, despite being at home, having a much better coach and playing Desmond Ritter. I know that the Titans quarterback situation isn't great, but Desmond Ritter literally turns the ball over like he's prime Daniel Jones. I (laughs) don't really understand how the Titans are underdogs. I just think like, I I think Rabel's too good. I I think they also are going to need this one just because they got to win some of these dumb games because their division winner is going to be like eight and nine so I, i'm taking yeah. the titans here
1: yeah i like it
0: all right david first wild card pick what you got
1: oh uh, i know i joked about the pats why am i kind of wanting to stay with that game <laughs> like if they can beat the bills they can beat the dolphins so it's like why am i just like stop not gonna pick that game no hey, that you pick to yourself. It hey you take that then i'll, I'll give it to you no because you're... Yeah, there it is. It's, it's disgusting. Um, I, I'm hopping on the Ravens. I like them. Uh, they're playing at the Cardinals at 325 on Sunday. Baltimore's favored by 8.5 on the road. And, uh, yeah, if they play like they did this last Sunday, you know, NFL might implement a mercy rule because it'll be rough, but... We'll see. I'm telling
0: you, it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be way too close.
1: Probably. Yeah, it'll be like 27-24, and the defense needs to get a stop.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Um,
0: I'm going to take the Lions over the Raiders. Uh, the the it, What is Josh McDaniel's... Uh, does he hate O'Connell that much that he has to start Brian Hoyer? What's going on there? Why are you know. starting looks Brian Hoyer? He was
1: kind of good in the preseason, didn't he? He had some good... Spots in the ball. Good and he was asked guys. about
0: it, and he just said, like, this isn't the preseason for why he didn't start O'Connell. I, Brian Hoyer's like 40, and he's never been good. I I don't – what do you – and it's not like you're going to develop him. Just throw the rookie out there. See what he does. I don't – the Raiders are bad. The fact that the Raiders have as many wins that they, as they do is – is impressive to me, but I, I I think the Lions are Dan Campbell's going to get this team fired up because they just got their asses kicked last week, and they're going to be motivated. And could Josh Daniels motivate anybody? Josh McDaniel's motivate anybody?
1: Well, here's the thing: if you're a Chiefs fan, you want the Raiders and Chargers to win some games because you don't want their coaches to get fired.
0: I'm not really worried about whoever the Raiders would get. Who's, but it's a, it, who's the great coach that the Raiders could get?
1: I don't know. Some sneaky good OC or Steve Spagnola or some. I don't know. Some Df, DC. Ooh, I don't know.
0: You still have to work for Mark Davis. Well, who doesn't want to spend money.
1: And he's a Vegas team and they just have so much of it.
0: It's, yeah. it's the Raiders. I don't. I'm not worried about that. I am. Yeah, I am worried about the Chargers possibly getting a good coach but the raiders i i'm not worried about at all the raiders were yeah. have been good like one of the last 10 years
1: that year that so. Derek carr broke his leg in the first round of the playoffs that year they're pretty good but then obviously yeah. he got hurt and yeah that's the year they, they, they beat no
0: us i think that's yeah. the last time they beat us maybe they beat us a year after too i don't know
1: was that a mari cooper corner touch corner of the end zone yeah and the whiteouts. i still remember it like it was yesterday
0: the opi touchdown
1: you mean yeah where he just full-on shoved him i was so mad yeah. bro Yep. I still have that on Snapchat memories, and I see that every You can while. tell
0: we won two Super Bowls, and we're still mad about like a week nine. <laughs> sauce. That's so dumb. All right, uh, anyway, David, last wild card pick. What you got?
1: 8 I'm just going to close this out. Uh, give me the Chiefs over the Broncos. They uh, didn't play great against them last week, and they still won. And uh, this offense plays like I did this last week. It's going to be feeling pretty good. They're favored by eight on the road. Um, I actually like the Chiefs more on the road in divisional games than I do at home, which is kind of yeah, crazy to think about. But Mahomes weird. has never it's lost weird. on the road to a divisional opponent, which is just mind-boggling to think about. Um, but, yeah, give me the Chiefs to beat the old donkeys.
0: I am going to take a game that I don't want anywhere near my television, and that's going to be... I'm going to take the Jets over the Giants. Ayo. Um this is going to be just an offensive nightmare. They the the, the, the Giants Commanders game, all of the points were scored in the first half, all 21 of them combined. And then nobody scored an it, it, it scored a point in the second half. Not a single like every single drive was like a three out, punt, interception. Fall. It was terrible. Uh another one of those teams can play offense. Tyrod Taylor might be better than Daniel Jones, which is something Honestly, we probably all knew. Um, And I think that maybe this is why you just, just don't pay mediocre quarterbacks or mediocre to bad quarterbacks, huge amounts of money and lock them into long term deals. What were you worried about? Who is who is taking Daniel Jones from you? You know, well, they should just have let given him money go. To
1: Saquon, they should have given that money to Saquon and then got a new quarterback, drafted a new guy or something.
0: Or I don't I don't even need you to pay Saquon. Just don't pay that guy.
1: Oh, yeah. Stop! Stop!
0: To give you an MBA equivalent, this is don't give Contavius Caldwell Pope a max contract. What are we doing? That's not that's not the guy. Yeah, he's barely a guy. You can't do that. Stop it! Get some help.
1: I gen, I remember genuinely being baffled. Like they just gave Daniel Jones forty five million dollars a year. Like what and in the world?
0: They made it to the playoffs and they won a playoff game, but like. You know who else has won playoff games, Marcus Mariota. You know, he's won a playoff game. Yeah, this Matt is a lot Castle. of this is a lot of quarterbacks that win playoff games. Yeah, so it's, I don't, I don't know.
1: And they're stuck, man. That I don't, I don't know what the contract. Tim to Tebow,
0: this. Tim Tebow won playoff game.
1: He did, bless his soul. He wasn't the greatest, was he? No, he's he's terrible. He was not good. Jones, four year, one hundred sixty million dollars. So. $92 million guaranteed. Man, that's just... It, what's lot. worse? Is it a Sean contract or is this contract worse? To Sean. Okay. It's usually fully guaranteed?
0: Yeah, well, and...
1: I guess it is $70 million more.
0: And Daniel Jones isn't a sex offender, so...
1: Oh, that's true. That's good. Yeah. I, shouldn't, probably, I probably shouldn't say a joke in regards to what you...
0: Nope. Said. Nope. Definitely shouldn't.
1: Joke about the Browns being bad at football. That's what I meant. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> Moving on.
0: Absolutely. All right. That was that's it. Is that it Are you, any more football we want to talk before we get into the reason I'm actually on this podcast today?
1: <laughs> Nathan's so excited. Um, I don't think so. I think next week I'm gonna get our uh, records of each individual like favored, underdog, and our wild card records just to compare to see how we do in like middle of the year. Hmm. But other than that, no. It's gonna be another good week of football.
0: No, I hope so. I hope we kill the Broncos. I have a bad. It feels trap gamey to me.
1: Because then after they go to Germany, right, to play the Dolphins.
0: Yeah. So are they overlooking this and thinking about the Germany trip? Is that Taylor going to be? Is Taylor going to be in Denver?
1: Dude, four and an0 with her in attendance.
0: And he, Travis, plays much better when she's there. Forget the much fact that better. one of the games he was injured and another game he got injured. That's not what matters.
1: No, no, just no look context at the needed. needed. Yeah, just, yeah, look, just at the little, look at the little stats. Little graph, just
0: yeah. look at the stats. Yep,
1: big stats guy.
0: All right, David. There's no way for me to seamlessly transition this um, because with I don't my, really want to have a cool segue. So,
1: with my music.
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna listen to David's beautiful garage band um, intro music, and then we're gonna talk about the new Martin Scorsese film because. Damn it, we may not get many more new Martin Scorsese films. So when we do get a new one, we need to talk about it. All right. A movie that I think you and I have been waiting for all year. Um, I would say it was definitely among my most anticipated of the year. And it's finally arrived. It's three and a half hours and it was amazing. It's killers of the flower moon. Martin Scorsese's latest directorial feature starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro and probably no, I would say definitely uh, the best performance I've seen this year. Lily Gladstone. Um, David, I think first of all, we should just talk about the runtime because I think that that's what's getting a lot of attention in this movie. It's three and a half hours. And I would even argue this is not a movie that flies by. Um, I think that's by design. But I think a lot of times when people compliment longer movies, and I do this as well, and sometimes it's true, like Oppenheimer didn't really feel 3 hours to me, you know? It like especially that first hour and a half feels like it goes by so fast because mm-hmm. you're building to the Trinity test. This movie it does not feel that way. And I think that the, Scorsese's intention, I think he wants to make you feel kind of the scope of the story, but also how agonizing and painful and long and awful these crimes that are being committed against the Osage Nation are and how it's not happening suddenly, how everything is developing over time, and yet nobody's doing anything to stop it. Would you agree with that assessment?
1: I would. I think it's definitely intentional. Um, I do agree with this, you know, rebuttal to people complaining about it the length, saying, you know, we watch 10-episode Netflix series, and you watch uh, Oppenheimer, like, you know, If you care about something enough, you'll, you'll watch the whole thing. So I do agree with that. And that like movies aren't getting longer and that's not a big issue. Like if it's a good movie, I don't care how long it is. I'm going to watch it. Um, but I do think it's intentional in the length. Um, I think for me personally, I don't even necessarily know where this was in the movie necessarily in the storyline. I, for around act two, I found myself like get drifting slightly, um, just due to the length. Um, but then, you know, once he begins, to, I think really once um,
0: the FBI shows up,
1: what's his name? I love the, I love this actor. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Once Jesse Plemons, you know, that that kind of starts to snowball into the, the, the final act that, you know, I, I was back right into it and, and definitely engaged. So for mm-hmm. myself, I found myself a little, uh, you know, disengaged for a couple minutes there in the middle of like, Ooh, we're not even halfway through this thing, you know, but yeah, you, I don't know if you read my review, but you know, Martin has you in the palm of his hand for 200 minutes. And, you know, pretty quickly I found myself back right engaged with his movie. Um, because again, he's just so good at that. So good at storytelling and, you know, shooting what he envisions, you know, that he wants to shoot. Um, so yeah, man, mm-hmm. I think, I think every, that's how, you know, like a, a director's great in my opinion with whether it's, uh, Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese, Chris Renault, whatever—like everything has a purpose. Um, even the smallest things, the attention to detail. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. To get back to that original question of, like, even the the runtime, I don't think he just kept packing stuff into the story. I think maybe even it was intentional. Like, we're going to make this long because this is a long process and a very deep one. So, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I think that he had a clear vision for what he wanted to do with this movie. There is an original draft of this movie that's very different, and it's a lot like the book, this is based on the um, David Grand novel of the same name, Killers of the Flower Moon, Um, and that book and the original draft of the script for this movie were much more about the FBI and the investigation of this, and so it was looking at it through more of a procedural, like crime thriller lens, I would say. Mm And that's not what this is doing. This is a tragedy epic. That's what this is. This is a movie that centers around, and this may turn some people off, um, but quite frankly, this is a Martin Scorsese movies as a whole. whole. Centers around awful people who are doing awful things, and you know they are eventually going to get caught, um, and yet you're still shocked at how awful they are and how it is they're not getting caught. Wolf of Wall Street Goodfellas, um, Casino, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, The Irishman, all these kind of follow this this list. I think what sets Killers of the Flower Moon apart is it is not Goodfellas and that Goodfellas is very fast-paced. And you could even describe it as fun at certain times, even though you know what's happening on screen is not right. Like um, The way that the, uh, like the Copa scene in Goodfellas in, in shot is like supposed to draw you in to like this world of like lavishness and excess and Wolf of Wall Street does the exact same thing. It's like a lot of the first hour and a half of these movies are normally fun. And so I was almost expecting that whenever I came to this movie and it's not, this is a movie that starts you off. There's a montage in the beginning, kind of a montage and this is a minor spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler, of Osage people being murdered. And one of the most upsetting things I think I've ever seen in a movie is the murder of the young mother. Mm. It's broad daylight, complete silence. She walks out of her house. She sets her baby in a bassinet. She turns around. She gets shot through the chest the man callously walks towards her, puts the gun in her hand, picks up the baby and walks away.
1: There were automatic gasps in our I was,
0: Yeah, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Marty is not like, this This is not going to have flair. This, you know, this is not going to be stylized. And so it's just, it's about the original sin of, of America. I mean, if you want to get down into it, it's about, it's a lens of which to tell about the genocide of native Americans, which obviously, if you know anything about American history, you know, it started as soon as European settlers stepped foot on the continent and continued in different ways. And this was like the latest continuation of it. What happened in the 1920s, David, how aware of you, how aware were you of the story of this prior to the movie? And then how do you think Marty handled kind of the, I mean, honestly, just an awful, depressing story that doesn't really have a happy ending. Uh,
1: I, I didn't know about this story um, at all. Um, and maybe, maybe it slipped my mind. Maybe I heard it once, and it went in air, in one ear, out the other. I don't know. I didn't even know that this like happened, not even in the story, but like, I didn't know that this process happened. Um, so I, it was very like... I was. It was very shock filled as I'm watching this movie and, and learning about this, because um, yeah, wow. Uh, so no, I, I did not know about this. What was that second part of your question?
0: How do you feel he handled something that um, was this tragic? This awful.
1: Yeah, I, I think he did it correctly. Um, I think a lot of you know a lot of the times studios and and directors try to find that happy ending of like, yeah, this, this is heavy, but it's kind of bittersweet, you know, it it ends and it resolves. I mean, I I just think with a a topic like this, I just don't know if there's a way to, to do that. I mean, he could even filmed it in a way. uh, How much do I want to talk about? That's okay. You know, he could have filmed it in another way that even is brought up in the movie. That is a lot more positive, you know, Um, but the way he filmed it and handled it, it didn't necessarily end like that um and i think that was a lot i think it was very effective Um, i think he intentionally wanted people leaving the theaters um not just giddy and like oh that was a heavy movie but that was a really good ending like yay good for justice good for people you know i think he wanted us leaving like wow we've done some pretty messed up things um and so i think it was very effective in that way um and I think he got his message across very much so. So, mm-hmm. as someone who's not heard of this even process before, I was just like, "Whoa!" Mm-hmm. I mean, It makes sense, but man, this is horrible. It makes sense that it happened. You know, like I'm not surprised that it happened is what I mean by that. But uh, yeah, Whew.
0: yeah, I um, I think that uh, one thing that, about this movie um, that is going to be just endlessly commented on, um is about the depiction, who has the right to tell the story. And um, obviously, Marty consulted members of the Osage Nation, um, had members of the Osage Nation and in, in, in the wider Native American community in the film represented. Um, and Lily Gladstone has spoken at length about how she feels about this sort of representation in Hollywood versus something along the lines of Yellowstone, which she is quite frankly trashed. And I... um Understand a lot of her points about Yellowstone and agree with a lot of them. Um, I think Marty handles this in probably the best way you can without being a member of that community. Um, and it's just, it's a shame, but it's also just true that like somebody from the Osage Nation is not going to get $200 million to make this movie, but Martin Scorsese can because he has mm-hmm. that ability. But he's also earned that ability because. What is he, one of the three greatest living filmmakers? Like, I don't, there's, there, even if you don't like Martin Scorsese or his movies aren't your thing, there's very few names you can list off director-wise before you get to him. Yeah. Um, and so the way that he handles this, and and he does this throughout his career, I think he's definitely getting more, like, contemplative about life in his latter half. I mean, it, going from silence to the Irishman to this, it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of downers. Quite honestly, it's a lot of it's a lot of, and he's always made movies that were, you know, not necessarily happy-go-lucky affairs, um, but he's definitely seems to be contemplating like what we've done, what this all means, and I the way that he handles guilt and shame, I think in this movie particularly was so impressive to me the the performance that he gets out of Leo, but also that he doesn't, I mean, he shows um, Ernest Burkhart as this kind of loving individual in some ways but it's also clear to like i like the fact that and this may be a spoiler for the movie it may not if you haven't seen the movie and you would like to skip ahead two minutes go ahead i like that he didn't make this a whodunit Hmm. i like that he identified the bad actors immediately because that's how the story plays out yeah in in what these people are doing is obvious and should have been stopped so far that's before, the
1: whole point of the message
0: yeah yeah it's hundreds of murders these people have caused and it should have stopped way before it in the modern day it would be unthinkable for this except it's not cuz quite frankly it probably happens in certain places on the planet maybe even in the US that i'm unaware of they're not they're so brazen about the way that they're choosing to essentially commit genocide against this group of people for oil rights for money and Marty doesn't want to do the, like, let's see if Robert De Niro's character is a good guy. From the moment uh, Bill King, you know, Walter Hale, whatever you whatever you want to call him, William Hale, sorry, what are, he is on screen, you know he's evil. And you just continue to watch. And when the FBI shows up, you think, oh my gosh, this is going to be absolved. And it's not. You know, and you just continue to see, like, Marty is focused on showing you the fact that these things don't have a resolution and these people don't get justice. And we've never given them that. And so this American dream that maybe we all have is a lie because certain people are just not going to get justice. And I think that's such an important thing for the most important filmmaker living right now, arguably, outside of maybe Steven Spielberg, to say. But it's not fun to watch, necessarily. It's amazing. I mean, this movie is amazing. Mm -hmm. Definitely one of my favorites of the year. But I did not have a good time seeing it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Which is tough to, like... You know, when you're processing a movie, uh, that's really tough to decipher of, like, did I enjoy that? You find yourself watching that movie of, you know, rarely do you separate. Did I enjoy that with, was that a good movie? But I feel like in this case that, that this is the situation where that is separated because you didn't necessarily enjoy it, but it was a thoroughly good movie, you know, whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, 98% of the time that helps you answer the second question. I enjoyed it. Yes. Oh yeah. That was a good movie. You know? Um, so yeah, it's just a different process happens after a movie like that. And, uh,
0: like you know, and there's we're, there's we're still
1: probably even processing the movie. You know what I mean?
0: There's so many just like bone chilling scenes in this movie where you're watching it and you're going, "These people are just flat out like evil. Like these, this is just awful." And it's mm-hmm. and the just nothing is happening. Nobody's doing anything to stop it. Um, and I I don't really want to say anything more because I think you need to watch the film about the plot. So let's talk about Lily Gladstone. Um she's in a movie with the two two of the biggest names in Hollywood, in De Niro and DiCaprio. Uh and from the moment she comes on screen, she is like I I feel myself missing scenes that she's not in. Cuz cuz she's she's so powerful. And not in like the traditional way that we think of Oscar performances where she's like over the top emotions and is screaming and yelling and delivering these long, you know, impassioned monologues with great metaphors about American ideals. No, she's just she's just simply talking. She's simply being there. But she has such a commanding presence that you're like, oh, my gosh, like she is the main character of this film. Uh, what did you? Th- I have, I I had not seen Gladstone in a movie before. I don't think you have either. What did you think of her performance?
1: No, I hadn't even heard of her, um, and I, I thought it was exceptional. I, uh, it's you know, I think people sometimes don't realize how difficult it is to like wail or just scream, cry like in a movie. Like, then sound like something that's that that's difficult to do but man, when she, I'm I can't remember what situation it was. Um, a death was, she found out about a death. Uh, and there was one scene where she begins to wail at the bottom of the stairs, like a full on just weeping. Uh, and I got like chills. It was just like bone, like bone chilling. Uh, cause it was just like, man, this it's just, it's so effective and sounds so real. And like, Um, she's kind of so reserved I feel like for a lot of the movie and then she hits that moment where she just loses it and she just starts like screaming I'm like whoa you know Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so and, and that's another thing too of like she's so almost reserved but with her tone and like facial expressions she's still like so engaging of like you know she might not be doing these crazy things and motions and monologues but like just with her tone and her voice and, and the facial expressions and her being reserved, like she just still locks me into the movie. And I'm still just, you know, I'm captured uh, because, yeah, right. I, very impressed. She, she hasn't been in much. She was in First Cow in 2019 and Jimmy P, Which a couple is, of ones really that no one's heard of. Certainly I mean, First
0: Cow is an indie like A24 darling that I have heard yeah. of but have not seen. Certain um, but,
1: women, twenty sixteen. So this is really her first, like you know, her breakout film, and I would imagine she'll be in some more after this. This definitely put her on the map, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, mm-hmm. really, really, just in- incredible performance. She's
0: she's so commanding. Um, I think of the scene that, um, when they're sitting in in her house at the kitchen table, her and and Leo. Um, and are like, she wants to get a drink. She's like in control of the whole situation. Leo's a little bit flustered and she is like inviting a man in, is in charge. And then she's like, the windows are open and it starts to rain and she wants him to just sit and listen. And it's just like, so, so it's, it's funny, but it's like, she's so like, she's in charge. She's in control and it's it's how she starts in the movie and it, she you still feel that power from her even when she is in like a weakened state at different points in the movie and then the way that they end it with the last um conversation between her and and her husband Ernest Leo mm-hmm. um i just i can't imagine playing that scene any better i can't imagine anybody being more effective i Don't know if she will win Best Actress because I know that it's going to be a little bit of a stacked field. Um, She'll
1: definitely be nominated.
0: She will for sure be nominated. But as a person who thought coming out of Barbie that it was Margot Robbie, should be Margot Robbie's award in a landslide, even if it didn't end up being because of the things that Margot Robbie had to do in that movie, I still think her performance is excellent. But to me, Gladstone is... On a different level than than any performance, male or female, I've seen in a while. I think as good as Kate Blanchett isn't was in Tar last year. That's how good Lily Gladstone is in this movie. Mm. So,
1: yeah, man, really, really, really good. Uh, and yeah, it's probably going to deter some people being three and a half hours, um, even just simply having time to watch it, but. If you have the opportunity, I think it's important um, uh, important to watch it. It Should be available in any theater. Uh, if it's available at the hangar, it's available anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Tough. Tough watch, but a good one, and just a high quality movie.
0: I um, I think if you're like if you're in any way a history person, if you have in, or in any way a Martin Scorsese person, um then also this should just be a movie you go seek out. And I do think that there's a temptation maybe with the long run time to wait, to watch it at home, to pause, to take a break, to watch it in like episodes essentially to watch it in installments. Don't do that. I just, just don't do that. That's not the way you're supposed to watch a movie. So if your goal is to, to wait, just please don't, just please don't do that. Just, just watch it in a theater at one time. It's going to be way easier for you to focus on a movie in a theater. It it always is. So d- do that. I I promise you won't regret whatever you have to pay to go watch
1: it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Nathan, where does this sit? Two questions. Um, where does this sit in Marty's filmography for you uh, and everything that he's done, but also in your 2023 film? Uh, listing of listing of movies uh, so far and what you've watched. Where does Killers of the Fire Moon sit on that list too? And you know, if one's easier to answer than the other, you can, you know, answer in whatever order.
0: Okay. Um. Well, my 2023 list, which I actually haven't even—I need to make. I, I literally, for some reason, have just not made it yet, and I don't know why. I'm taking so long. Not gonna long. lie.
1: Every once in a while I check and just see if you've made it just because I'm curious <laughs> and then it's just not there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. It's dumb. Uh this is definitely top three. I mean, it's 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 Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Barbie. And I don't think I've decided the order yet. Yeah. Uh, but those are those are the it's those and then like a chasm and then whatever comes next in terms of movies I've liked. Marty's filmography, this is going to be somewhere near the top for me. I've liked it more than Mean Streets. I think I liked it more than The Color of Money. Um, I, I don't know. I, I Raging Bull is always the tough. weird one because I don't know how to frame Raging Bull. Like It's great, and also I have no desire to ever watch that film ever again. Mm. Um, I'll just say this. It's not tier one. And I think tier one to me is, uh, well, I think there's one movie in tier one, and that's Goodfellas. And nothing is going to touch that, and that's fine. Because um, it's Goodfellas. I mean, I don't know that anything can. But I think it's definitely, I think for me, it's it's definitely going to be top five. And I have some Marty work to 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 do as well. Same. Same. Um, I have a lot more Marty movies I need to see, starting with Silence. I haven't seen Silence. And so I need to do that. I liked it more than The Irishman, I think. Um, I haven't revisited The Departed in a long time. So I think I need to revisit that before I say whether I like it more than The Departed. But it's below Goodfellas, but above a lot of the other ones that I've seen. And Marty's a great director. Like my least favorite film of his, I think, might be Mean Streets. Um,
1: Have you seen Hugo? And that's a
0: three and a half. I have not seen Hugo, I don't believe.
1: I just laugh sometimes to think, oh yeah, you know, Shutter Island, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, Hugo. Oh, yeah, he he directed Hugo. You know, so that's. I'm
0: not a Shutter Island guy, so that also I I liked it more than Shutter Island. I know you are absolutely a Shutter Island guy, and I am not. So.
1: Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm. Here's so much I like Shutter Island. I'm like thinking, like, is that is that tier one for me?
0: Interesting. Hey, where's good? Where's Goodfellas? Where's you know Goodfellas?
1: I need to revisit Goodfellas. <laughs> I watched it freshman year of college. Okay. Um, right now I have a four out of five. Um, but yeah, I, I, I gar- really want. I,
0: guarantee, I I guarantee that ratings higher when you rewatch it. Probably. I need probably. to rewatch Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I watched Wolf of Wall Street when I was in high school, and I think when I was in high school, I was like, this is just a movie about like a rich guy who's supposed to be. I definitely did not interpret it right. I was like, this is a movie about a rich guy who's a jerk. And like I'm supposed to root for him. And no, that's not not what Scorsese is saying at all. Scorsese is saying, this is the kind of guy that our system allows to win, despite the fact that he's one of the worst human beings on the planet. And we should all hate him and the system that created him. So I think I need to rewatch that as well.
1: I still need to watch The Irishman, Gangs of New York, After Hours, Mean Streets, uh, King of Comedy, Last Temptation of Christ. So I still have a couple I need to watch. You've seen
0: Taxi Driver, right? Yeah. How did you feel about Taxi Driver? I don't know if we've ever talked about this.
1: Um. Again, I saw this so long ago. I gave it a four out of five as well. I remember it being just so intense. I remember it just being yeah. like, It's also just like it's another one of
0: those films that like I don't. Do I need to rewatch it? You know, it's ta- it's great, but like. Yeah. It's.
1: It's tough. Know. It's a tough watch in a good way. In well, the, not in a good and, way, but. In a and good.
0: then the Joker ripped every almost
1: everything from it and made a worse version of it. Or arguably better. But that's neither here nor there. Um, for me, I think it's top three as well in 2023. Uh, but I, for me, I take out Barbie and put in Spider-Man into the spider, Across the Spider-Verse. As Oppenheimer, Across the Spider-Verse, Killers of the Flower Moon are my top three.
0: You know what's yeah. weird? I've almost forgot Across the Spider-Verse came out this year.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: I don't know why that It's actually like the so highest rated film.
1: movie of the year to this point still. It has over 600,000 five-star ratings, which is wild.
0: I mean, I like that movie a lot. I thought it was amazing. I think I gave it a four and a half when I saw it. Um, it 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 does just feel like half a movie, though, is the problem.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I know what it is. You just wish Tobey Maguire was Spidey, not Miles Morales.
0: I don't know. Here's a take that I'm just going to say and then not comment on any further. The Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies overrated go back and watch them guys it's a little tough at times not just not just from the cgi standpoint like there's some things that are definitely good i think spider-man 2 is still legitimately good but like there's some acting and dialogue and other stuff in the first couple of spider-man that you're like what the heck are we doing guys these are not good this is bad yeah. and I think Tobey Maguire is borderline bad in the first one so
1: that's a take right there yep for me I, I don't it's harder to answer for Hit Marty's filmography just with I haven't seen a couple of them and like I just mentioned I haven't seen some of them in a long time uh so I don't even know if I can answer that right now. Like has been think, forever since I saw Goodfellas and Taxi Driver, and you know I I, just, I, just I, don't know. I
0: think the consensus is that it, it's going to go down. I mean, it's already being considered that way, but I think it's going to go down as one of his great works. Hmm. And I think maybe, it says a lot maybe about even one him. That
1: we go to appreciate the farther we get from it, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think it says a lot about him that, like in this late period run that he's had. Um, there are a lot of jokes at the Irishman's expense about the length and everything like that. And people who complain about how long movies are, I'm not really interested in their takes if I'm being honest. Um, because I think that if your your biggest complaints about a movie is it's too long. If the answer is, well, it's good. Then there's not really anything to complain about. But I mean, he's, he's given us like the wolf of wall street, the Irishman silence and killers of the flower moon. All as a senior citizen, you know, he still got it. Like that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I I don't feel like he has like a bunch of huge whiffs. Um, even like commercially, crit- I mean, commercially, yes, critically, like a lot of directors as they start to get older, like kind of just either start to take paycheck jobs or you're just like, what are you doing? It doesn't seem like Marty's doing that. Marty's just like, screw it. I'm going to make what I want to make now. I don't care about box office. I don't care about anything else.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and the proof he's, well, you said greatest living directors. I'd say he could be considered one of the greatest just directors, period. Yeah. You know, of all time. Yeah. Um, And so. And it sounds like he has no plan of stopping. I think he's already kind of looking at his next film about something that he's passionate about wanting to put on a screen. So,
0: yeah, like, he said this is not going to be his last movie. So, I, he, I, he, this is what he loves doing. I think he's just going to keep doing it until he can't anymore.
1: Yeah. And now he's on TikTok, which is just the funniest thing. Have you seen some of those TikToks?
0: Yeah, it's a little wild. It's so funny. Um, just logging on to TikTok and it's just Martin Scorsese just doing like a TikTok trend and you're like, oh, okay.
1: But did you want anything else now? Hindsight, right? You're like, man, I, this is perfect for my algorithm.
0: Yeah, that's true. TikTok has me figured out.
1: Come on. So do I. Ayo. <clears throat> um, a- anything else uh, on this uh, discussion of Killers of the Fire I, Moon?
0: Nobody's going to listen to us because they're going to say that it's three and a half hours and... Um, it doesn't have any superheroes in it, but go watch it.
1: Just go yeah. watch it. It's good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, this has been week eight preview of the NFL regular season. Uh, as well as talking about Martin Scorsese's new epic killers, of the flyer moon, um, jam packed episode, but thanks for sticking with us, uh, the whole way. We will talk to y'all next, next week. Bye. See ya.